everybody and welcome once again to the No Name Musicast. My name's Tim and this is Joy. And before we get going with this week's topic, I just want to let everybody know that we now have a Facebook page. Uh, yeah, we've moved into the uh, information superhighway or something like that. You would never guess Tim works in IT by any of these conversations. <laughs> no, on the on the uh, on the worldwide interwebs or whatever they're called these days. <laughs> but we have a, we have our Facebook page. A lot of people have already liked it, and thank you. But if you haven't, head over to Facebook, and it's facebook.com slash no name music cast. That's facebook.com no name music cast give us a like and we'll be posting each episode on there and we'll also be posting some links to go along with the episodes and any other fun stuff that we think about but anyway there we go so anyway this week it's my topic i get to pick and i once again challenge joy so i challenge joy to go through her most diverse playlist or collection of mp3s or whatever she had on her computer or phone or whatever and literally hit shuffle 10 times and see what 10 songs came out. Now, I've done exactly the same, and I think the way that we're probably going to do it is we will alternate. But Joy will kick off with the first one from the list. So I'm just curious to know what you have in this playlist, MP3 list, iTunes list, wherever you pulled it from. Okay, so this came from my most liked um, songs on Spotify. I have like, I try to like every song that I really care for. So then it makes a really nice playlist for me when I'm too lazy to figure out what I want to listen to. Mm -hmm. And the first song is not that crazy. It's the Smashing Pumpkins 1979. Okay. Which is a good song. Yeah, maybe I didn't put you down as a, a Smashing Pumpkins fan. Um a few of their songs it's not like high on my list but i i probably will surprise you because there are a few random things in this but yeah i mean that is one of their more popular songs too though i want plays on the radio i still think to this day fairly often is that is that taken from melancholy and the infinite sadness that double album that they came out with yeah it is i think that i think that was pretty much for them their uh their breakthrough yeah album. like I think that is, in 1979, it's probably their, one of their most famous songs, I would imagine, if I exactly. had to guess. Were they, were they celebrating my fifth birthday? Yes, that's exactly what they were doing, Tim. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Billy Corgan. I appreciate that. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, what was on yours? What was your okay, tenth so first? I, I, I don't have any of these newfangled Spotify's or any of that kind of uh, business going on. <laughs> I, I, I have my uh, old fangled iTunes library, which is uh, meticulously curated with all the tags and all the album artwork. And I've lovingly took me about two years to do. So I, I have my library. So I, I use that and I hit um, again, hit shuffle 10 times. And the first one I came up with was R.E.M.'s Shiny Happy People. Which is ironic, because that was in the last episode. Because <laughs> then we have a conversation that they refuse to play it now. Yeah, I think there's there's something about R.E.M. when they... I mean, I don't know if they're still a touring thing. I'm not entirely sure. Even pre-COVID, no I don't know. But um, I remember reading in some guitar magazine and... Um, and Peter Buck, the guitar player, says, oh, we, we don't play that anymore. Yeah, we're, we're, so let's we're, we're see serious here. artists. And... Apparently they did hate the song. That's what I'm finding out. Okay. Um, Katie Pearson from B-52 sang back up on it. 
that, that yeah. I, I, in fact, I know. I think she's in the video. In fact, is she? I don't. I don't remember what the video looks like. Truthfully, I so, just know the song because it's catchy. Um, he said it's a really fruity kind of bubblegum song in an interview, and he said he was a bit embarrassed that it became, this is Michael's style, is a bit embarrassed it became a big hit, but it's an important song because it shows a different side of us. Well, there and you the go. Irony, the irony is that's actually my favorite song by <laughs> Of course, I might be a little bit more bubblegum pop than some others. I don't know. Exactly. But I don't know. I, I think it's a good song. I said literally, I turn the computer on, fired up my iTunes, hit, hit play, and then hit the, for the next song to, on random. And that was the first one that came up. Says, midway into this song, it switches to waltz time, so three-fourths. Mm-hmm. R.E.M.'s guitarist Peter Buck had mm-hmm. the idea to do this. He explained why in a 1991 interview with Guitar School. The song is so relentlessly upbeat, there is nowhere you could go with the bridge. We tried it a few ways, and then I suggested the three-fourths. They said, that's kind of fruity, Peter, but we're going to go with it. Okay. <laughs> that's how they wrote the song. There you go, Tim. Well, well, well there we are. Not, not only uh, are we, we are exploring my iTunes library, we're getting REM facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to look it up, so now we know. It's, it's written in three-fourths, and they hated it. <laughs> well, and, I, and, I, and I sort of like it, and plus it's two steps removed from Love Shack, so what are you going to do? That is true. And now that you guys, now that I read that about that being her voice, it makes complete sense because it sounds just like her, but I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I, th- I think I knew it was the singer from the B-50s. Because I remember, um, I remember seeing the video, as I said before, and I remember seeing her in it. So, hmm. All right, number two. For, from, from your playlist, what do you have, Joy? Um, the Beach Boys, God Only Knows. That's, that's a good, that is a good track. It's an amazing track, and that's probably, isn't that, it's, it's on Pet Sounds, right? Yes. Which is known as being one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah, it's... Uh, but Pet Sounds is, is put right up there. They, they say that that was the album that influenced Beatles' Sgt. Pepper um, <laughs> because of the way that the, the harmonies were built, the production, the, the way the instruments were treated, a lot of stuff. They said a lot of those production values influenced the Beatles into Sgt. Pepper. However, I've heard Sgt. Pepper a million times or maybe several hundred times in my lifetime. Um, and I, in fact, I, downstairs I have the original vinyl pressing of Sgt. Pepper that my mother bought the day it came out. Literally the day it came out in the 60s, she went to a shop and bought it. And it's been like, she's always had it. And then when I was last in England, she gave it to me and I have it downstairs. It's probably worth a lot of money. It's worth about 60 bucks because I looked it up. Oh, I thought it was going to be more. Anyway, continue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but anyhow, I, I mean, I've heard that album so many times growing up. That was an album that was played in the house. You know, I've heard it so many times. And then after reading an article about how they influenced the Beatles and George Martin and from a production and value standpoint mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, I listened to Pet Sounds. And yes, Pet Sounds has got some great songs on it. But I think as far as iconic pieces of music, Sgt. Pepper is a 10 oh, and, and Pet Sounds is like a 2. I mean, I'm yeah, not, not taking not away... Wrong. Yeah, I'm not taking away from, from uh, the Beach Boys and the songs that's on there because it's good stuff. No, I agree with you on that. It's just it's just known as being probably their top album, I would say, from a beach. And I'm not even, I'm just going to say, it, I'm not really a big Beach Boys fan. They're not one of my top artists. I just happen to really like that song. 
And I th- and I think now, if you go and see the Beach Boys, I think it's Mike Love. It's there's like one Beach Boy. So I bought my mother and father tickets to see the Beach Boys two or three years ago, mm-hmm. and there's there was like one and a half left. I don't know. <laughs> and it was still each ticket was still ninety dollars, and the, I think they saw one original member. I will say my parents do kind of like beach music, and so this was literally set up to be like a beach music kind of concert on a. So there was like a whole ambiance to it you were paying for as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a cheap ticket by any means for only one remaining member. <laughs> and, and did you hear that the um, the Beach Boys sold the entire franchise to to like some event company? I had no idea about that. So are they still getting royalties off their own music or anything, or just their concerts or something? Well, I think I think the idea is they sold the they they've sold the entire Beach Boys franchise to I forget which company it was, but it was it was like a AEG Live or some some event type pub, uh, promotion company. They they not only did they get the publishing rights for all the songs, they got the rights to the name. And I think the idea being is that they think it's going to be like. Um, these ABBA tribute bands where you can have like 10 Beach Boys going out and it's all different people. I think, I think that is the, uh, the, the thought behind it. But yeah, no, that makes sense. I just was curious. I mean, with one member left, I guess it's not really that big a deal. No, and I'd imagine the the remaining Beach Boy, I mean, he, he's an, he's an older gentleman, I'm sure. So, uh, Oh yeah. Okay, Number so three. The, ne- the next uh, pick is mine, and um, the, the Magic iTunes machine came up with Bruce Springsteen, and this song is from Born in the USA, the classic uh, Bruce Springsteen album, Born in the U- USA. It's not a song I'm super familiar with, though I have heard it a few times, called Darlington County. I'm not even sure I've ever heard that. It's, a, it's, a, it's like the second or third track on Born in the USA. It's an album track, as I said. Hmm. It's, it's not... It's not one of his uh, hits. It doesn't have a young Courtney Cox in the video or anything like that. So we're not going to hear it on the radio anytime soon is what I'm getting. No. But um, what's what's your thoughts on Bruce Springsteen? Oh, I love Bruce Springsteen. Um, I think he's probably one of my top favorites. I mean, I kind of already came up there with like, um, I really like Rod Stewart and I like um, that kind of sound. So he kind of ranks up there with me. Maybe even Sting. But the police, that kind of genre is where I associate it with. And depending on my mood, it's one of my favorite things to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I picked up them where I, where I got this in my library. I, I picked up the CD in a thrift shop for fifty cents, and it was like the remastered expanded edition or something like that. Well, look at you getting all fancy on us, Tim. Exactly, and spending <laughs> fifty cents in the Christiansburg thrift shop, getting me some Bruce <laughs> Springsteen. The boss is in the house, no less. Hey. Oh. No, speaking of Bruce Springsteen, on our um, Facebook page for the for the podcast last night, I made a post. I was looking through a list of one-hit wonders, and Bruce Springsteen was on there. And mm-hmm. I said, how is this a thing? Yeah, a couple of Freak Jam people responded back to me, because I was like, what? And then um, I think it was Sarah who was like, I mean, it's in the name. It's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he's so preeminent in my mind, because I was literally looking through it, and it was listed him as a one-hit wonder, and I was like, what? Well, do you know what's funny about these one-hit wonders? And this is something that struck me after I moved here. Um, you know the band AHA, Take On Me? Yeah. 
Now, in the United States, they are considered a one-hit wonder with Take On Me. Okay. And in fact, I remember one time when I was here on a trip, and I think I've had VH1 on or something like that in a hotel room, and it was like, top 25, uh, one-hit wonders or something. And that was like, number two was AHA's Take On Me. And I'm like, hang on a minute. They've had lots of hits. So, So maybe... I mean, that's certainly from a UK perspective. Now, I wonder, Bruce Springsteen, the icon that Bruce Springsteen is in this country, I wonder if that list was a UK list or an Australian list or a New Zealand list. That is a good point. It was just a playlist that I happened to click in, maybe on YouTube, that said One Hit Wonders. Because, like, like, when I think of One Hit Wonders, I think of, like, OMC How Bizarre from the 90s, that kind of thing. Like, that, you don't know of any other song they did. So, no, but, it, yeah. And in fact, I think I saw the post on the on the uh, Free Jam Facebook page. Someone said Chesney Hawks is the one and only. Oh, I don't even know who that is. It, it was a it was a again he was a a one hit wonder type of character, but I think it was more of a UK hit. I don't think it. I don't even think um, it charted here. If it did, I'm not familiar with it. But um, yeah, there was a few people who commented because I was like, it just. I guess that's a good point, though. Maybe if somebody in Africa was making the list, that could completely be a what-hit wonder. Have you thought about that? Have you ever heard of the track um, Owen Paul's My Favorite Waste of Time? Not off the top of my head. Again, that that was like another UK one-hit wonder track. The interesting fact for that is that the guitar player on that track, uh, Richard, I can't remember the guy's last name, but when I joined a band in England, at the very beginning I couldn't do all the gigs, and he was friends of, the guitarist was friends of theirs, so the guy who played on that one-hit wonder used to fill in for me when I couldn't do it. Well, Tim, I had no idea you had so many connections. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me being depped out by a uh, one-hit wonder guitar player, man. Next you're going to bring up the whole mumbo, was it Mungo Jerry that we were talking about? Somebody knew somebody. Well, you know, I played with a guy who was who played bass in ABBA. I think I probably said that. I think so. Yeah, you've told me that one before. So, you guys, Tim's got all the connections. We just didn't know. There you go. See. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Joy. This is now um, is now your turn. So, what have you got on your next uh, your next one? Okay, this is going to take a turn, <laughs> and I don't even know if I want to say this. <laughs> it's. Boom, boom, boom. I want you in my room by the Vega Boys. Oh. <laughs> the Venga Boys, or however you say it. Do you know that song, Tim? I think it's Venger Boys, Venger Boys. It's like V-N-G-A, but they're not American. And I'm pretty sure that song was popular in Europe, too. Yeah, and they had I, like, I, I remember plus. that. I seem to... I seem to remember someone I know having the entire album of that, and I am familiar with that song. And... Um, if you, if you, as we've said before, there, there's no, uh, there's no boundaries in music. You like what you like. You don't have to justify it. I like that song, but it's just funny to say boom, boom, boom. And all I can remember is the, like, they're riding a bus, aren't they? In the video with like a crazy with like different flowers on the bus or something. Is that this one? I, I, I think, I think it could be. I will, uh, I will put the video in the. Uh, in the Facebook page when we when and it's we going to be something completely record, different. So. And I'm going to be like, I don't know what video I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my luck. But yeah, that's um, that's the one. All right, Tim, what was yours? Well, as I, as I hit the the next shuffle button, I got Joan Baez, Diamonds and Rust. 
I don't even know if I know what that is. Well, Joan Baez, she's like a, a, a 70s folk singer. Oh, I think you've talked about her before, actually. Yeah, and I think, I think if Diamonds and Rust is not necessarily... Or maybe it is like the one people that know, know that's the song that she's known for. I don't know. But it's very hmm. downbeat, very minor key, um, singer type thing like that. She's on stage with long you know, hair not... and no shoes and uh, just an acoustic guitar. That, yeah, that kind of idea. Yeah, I, I, I have a good good authority that no footwear was worn during the recording session of uh, Diamonds and Rust. <laughs> of course, duh, Tim. How would how else would it be? Um, how else would it work? I mean, that's how it's gonna go. But yeah, I'm gonna have to go look that up now, Tim. After we will, I will go look it up and give you guys some information that I how I think or feel about it. Um, on the page after we're done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Diamonds... You said Diamonds and Rust? Diamonds and Rust, that's the one, yes. That's, like, the most, like... Like, I can picture this person just by the name of that song. <laughs> and, and and what you're picturing, sort of hip, hit 70s-type, hippie-type lady. Um, yeah. Like you say, she's not wearing shoes. She's probably never worn shoes. Her hair's very long. You would be correct. <laughs> Pre-Cheryl Crow. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. All right. <laughs> what you got next? Um, hard Luck Woman by uh, Hard Luck. Yeah, Hard Luck Woman by Kiss. That's a, that's actually that's a pretty good uh, song. I, I absolutely I love that song. Yeah, and and thing is, thing is with Kiss. I mean, you know, you can get wrapped up in the whole Kiss image. Well, it's not even images. It's the Kiss persona, persona. if mm-hmm. you will. But but there are some great songs with Kiss. Well, in that song, a lot of people think that Rod Stewart or somebody is singing it. Apparently, there's like a whole thing where people um, don't associate it with Kiss. They don't think it's them, um, and so a lot of people. Can, but it's actually um, one of my favorite Kiss songs. Um, and it always kind of sounds like it kind of has that same sound as like time in a bottle or something that mm-hmm. kind of Jim Croce sound. But yeah, that's one of my favorite Kiss songs. Um, and I will say that it's from, let's see, what album is it from? I think it's Rock and Roll Over. It's like their 1976 album, which I can't tell you one other song that's on that album. I don't know if it had any big hits, but it was that's personally my favorite song on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've certainly sort of growing up, I and mean, even when I was getting into guitar, I, did, I wasn't really super aware of Kiss. Kiss wasn't really a thing. I think, you know, there are Kiss fans in England, but I think Kiss is more of a US phenomenon to some extent. But in, as, in the later years, I've, I've listened to a lot more Kiss than I have before. And like I said, there are there are some really good songs there. Wasn't the drum... Well, I think that one thing before I go forward is... Um, it's called the um, the hair factor or something. So Glee did a whole episode on it, and there's like a thing in music called the hair factor. So you know, hair the musical in the '80s where they did the yes. this is the dawn. Yeah. So the idea is that you're so distracted by the hair and like kind of like the 
the the what's going on around it you don't realize there's no substance mm-hmm. in a way and so i think kiss kind of played into that but a lot of 80s bands went for the big hair and the like let's talk our poisons and all that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. but that's part of it is it is the spectacle that is kiss i don't even know i mean they're fine musicians I, I wouldn't say they're the greatest musicians in the world but they're still very good they're very popular um paul stanley has a very interesting voice mm-hmm. um Peter Chris looks like a cat, which is a good thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that that's probably why they just became a spectacle in America for that way. And then, I mean, they've also played into that spectacle. There's literally that um, kiss casket you can buy, and yeah. the drummer from Pantera was he was wasn't he buried in one? It was a guitar player, Dimebag Daryl. Uh-huh. He uh, he was buried in a kiss casket. That's correct. I mean, if that's not playing into your own stereotype, I don't know what is, Tim. <laughs> well, the thing is about the thing that's unique about Kiss is that, for one, they've always said that they're a marketing machine. That they've never shied away from the fact mm-hmm. that they were in it for the money. They've never, they've never shied away from that. Because a lot of musicians say, oh, you know, we're a serious musician. We, 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 we do it for us. And we don't even do it for the fans. And they, But no, Kiss is like, no, we did this to make a lot of money and get rich. And that's why we do it. And that's why you can buy a Kiss casket oh, and Kiss Cola and Kiss Simon Coffee did. and all that kind of stuff. I meant to say Gene Simmons earlier when I was about voice. But being Peter Chris looks like a cat. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, and that's true. Gene Simmons has um, recently had some interesting times where he's kind of lost his mind. I think a little bit here recently. Yeah, I, well, I suppose. I suppose if you're, I don't know, maybe some some people get older and they weren't maybe not necessarily on the uh, straight and narrow anyway, and they're, he's probably got some money behind him, obviously, and he doesn't need to mind his p's and q's. I, I, I really, I really don't know. But, well. But, but one thing that's um, in, another thing that's interesting about Kiss. Apparently, when they were starting out, you know, before they were even a thing, they would hear mm-hmm. bands like they'd hear the Beatles, they'd hear the Who, they'd hear the Rolling Stones, they'd hear Eric Clapton, and they hadn't actually seen them at this point because they probably came from a small town of America somewhere. So yeah. when they finally went to see the Who and they went to see the um, the Rolling Stones and things like that, they were expecting these cartoon, the larger than life cartoon characters on stage because in their minds, listening to this great music, that's what they thought they were going to see. So they go to this Rolling Stones concert and it's five guys on stage smoking a cigarette wearing jeans. And it's like, ah, huh. what's this? I, 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 was, I was expecting... This thing, this spectacle, this band, because it sounds so good. So when they put Kiss together, that's what influenced them. They wanted to be the larger-than-life cartoon character, and that's where that whole persona comes from. But they're not the only ones who've done it. I mean, even Freddie Mercury has kind of alluded to that's what he wanted. It's not the same. I wouldn't say that he went as far as the spectacle, but, you know, he wanted to be that larger-than-life persona. So that's not shocking. True, but for, I mean, Freddie Mercury is wearing wearing like a skin tight leotard, but like Kiss were wearing twelve inch heels and yeah. fireworks, and they took it a little bit further, yeah. <laughs> just like a tiny bit. I mean, there was only a twelve minute fireworks show, Tim. God, <laughs> versus someone spinning a microphone while he sings. <laughs> but you know, it did take a lot of talent to walk in those boots. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if they ever quit singing, they might be able to get a job as a stripper. You never know, Tim. It could go either all, way. <laughs> all options are open to them, and they're all about the money. What can I say? <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So, so the next one that came up on my iTunes shuffle was uh, by John Mayle. Are you familiar with John Mayle? 
No. And it's a track called Fly Tomorrow, which is not even really a track I'm super familiar with. But what's interesting about John Mayle, um, he was a blues um, singer, harmonica player in the 60s, and he had Mm -hmm. a band called the Blues Breakers. Oh, I have heard of the Blues Breakers. I've never heard of him specifically. Yeah, John Mayle's Blues Breakers was a blues band that was around in England in the 60s. And like every all these great guitar players came through the Blues Bruce Breakers, uh, Peter Green of um, Fleetwood Mac fame, the yeah. amazing Jeff Beck came through um, wow. the Blues Breakers, but the most famous person that came through John Mayer's Blues Breakers was Mr. Eric Clapton. Never heard of him. Never going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's never going to make it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but so was the Blues Breakers like a stage band and they shuffled through different people or were they just the people who were providing they just went through many different guitarists or i think they just went through various different guitarists i think like all the hot shot guitar players of the day did their stint in the blues breakers and they went off and i i I think that i could be wrong but i think the timeline was as eric clapton was first then he left and then jeff beck came in and jeff beck played in the blues breakers for a while and then he left and then peter green i believe played in the blues i could i could be messing the timeline up but I i have a feeling that eric clapton was first because there is that album the the bill they call the Beano album, which is Eric Clapton with John Mayles Blues Breakers, and he's holding a comic book open, and it's a UK comic called the Beano. Hmm. And There's a UK comic called the Beano. Good to yeah, know. With with, um, with Dennis the Menace. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, our UK listeners will have heard of that. But anyhow, but there there is that that album is a very pivotal album in Eric Clapton's career. So I mean, some people will say that his playing never had the fire after that album. Like, he's has so, he has so much passion and fire in his playing at that point. People say he never got to that ever again. That's an interesting point. I mean, I've, I've always just associated him as being a really good guitar player, but I'm also not a guitarist, so maybe I'm not making as many judgments on his guitar playing. Yeah, when you're when you're a guitar player, there's certain like especially if you read a lot of guitar magazines when you're starting out, there's lots of things they talk about over and over, and the the John Mayle Blues Breakers Beano album is one that you hear all the time. So speaking of guitar magazines, I'm going to take this on a funny little loop here. I used to get Guitar World, even though I didn't play the guitar, but I thought it was cool. And I liked looking at the instruments, and I did play some instruments and was just interested in music in general. So when we decided, me and my twin sister decided one day we were going to start our band. We weren't a good band by any stretch of the imagination. I told you guys I was a terrible drummer. Um, How we figured out our name, and it's the worst name for a band ever, was we opened up the Guitar World uh, magazine. Mm-hmm. Put it on a random page, and I stuck my finger in one place. And Brady, my twin sister, stuck her finger in the other place. And our band's name was, I don't even want to say, Control Issues. Like the most <laughs> teenager angsty <laughs> thing we could have come up with. It was literally called, my band was called Control Issues. Which, do you know what's funny about your technique, your band naming technique? What's that? Do you know that's how the Commodores came up with their name? No, but that's not shocking. <laughs> Apparently, the Commodores, when they were looking for a name, they flicked through a dictionary and they stuck their finger in a page and said, whatever it lands at, that's what we're called. And it came up yeah. with Commodores. Well, that makes sense, though, because it is kind of a random name to have for a band, the Commodores, but I never really gave it any thought. But yeah, apparently, but look at you, control issues. Did a, did did you get that major label deal that you was going after? Did you go on tour? 
Yeah, totally. That's why I'm here now. <laughs> Let's just say um, there was three members of the band. There was me, my twin sister. I played drums. Um, and sometimes I played keyboard and we, we didn't have like dedicated members to instruments. That's the first thing that was probably our issue. Brandy did play guitar and then she would help on the keyboard too. And then we had a friend who was going to be our lead singer, but we discovered she couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Sorry, friend. I don't think you listened, but she couldn't. So then the whole band fell apart. I think we had three practices total. Maybe. So, yeah. so what you're saying is that Ian Husbands isn't going to be playing your music on Lunchtime Live next week? No, he is not. No. Let's just say that um, I can be very proud of you guys. You guys are awesome, but you're doing something you don't want to hear from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I can play the piano. And like I said, I took voice lessons, but you don't want me near a guitar or a drum set. Or I really just was never destined to be a rock star, unfortunately. Well, there we are. But look at you now. You're a professional broadcaster, broadcasting to the world. Well, you know, I was destined with the radio voice. So there we go. There we are. Well, fantastic. Well, I tell you what, with your radio voice, tell me what you uh, what your next pick is. Well, my next pick is kind of ironic. It's London Calling the Clash. Okay. well, that's a that's a good uh, that's that's a good song. I mean, is, is that just are you a fan of the Clash in general or is that just like one that calls out to you? No, I love the Clash, actually. It's one of my favorite bands. So but I mean, London Call, I mean, there's London Calling, there's Brand New Cadillac. Obviously, could go for days, but they're one of my favorite bands. I really like their sound. Um, I know they've got, you know, everybody just associates with that kind of Ramones push or whatever, but mm-hmm. I really like, um, their overall feel for their music. I don't know how to explain it. It's just one of those bands that I got attracted to. So I listen to The Clash fairly often. Do you listen to The Clash, Tim? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably more of a greatest hits of The Clash fan. I, I have never really delved deep into their catalogue. I used a friend of mine, John Blackburn, who now lives in New Zealand, played drummer, played, sorry, played bass for Joe Strummer for a, for a period of time. And, if, and, when I went, and when I went to see The Who at Wembley Arena, um, mm. probably in the early 2000s, Joe Strummer and his band were opening for The Who. And my friend John Blackburn was playing bass for Joe Strummer. So, huh. Well, didn't they only have like three albums, though, truthfully? Didn't they I, only... think, I think so. I mean, I've got like a, a anthology of the Clash on the computer, that, but as with a lot of this stuff, they they pull B sides and out and outtakes and all that kind of. Well, stuff. and I mean, if you look at Joe Strummer and Mike Jones, they were totally playing the you know Rebel Without a Cause kind of thing up for their music. But I I actually just like their sound. Like a lot of people talk about like they like they don't really pay attention to the lyrics of like say Pink Floyd or something. It's like their sound, that kind of overall experience. That's mm-hmm. what I like about the clash. So there you go. Okay. Well there you go. I've learned something, Joy. I didn't put you down as a clash fan, but there we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'll continue to surprise you. There we are. Alright, well the next one I have is a Thin Lizzy. Ireland's finest Thin Lizzy. And um, with a song Southbound. Southbound. I have heard that song, yes. Yeah, and if, if I, I, I didn't make a note of the album it came from, it wasn't from Live and Dangerous, I don't think, but I think it was a live version of Southbound. That's the one that's like talking about a ghost town, right? I believe a ghost so, yeah. Town or something. It's I'm not, not the one that's talking about a jailbreak that could that's in the Tesco or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the jailbreak, where could it possibly be, Tim? Where could it have been? 
Well, I thought it might be in this in the uh, in the bakers or the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, I have to be honest with you. Thin Lizzy's a band. You were just talking about the Clash. I'm probably a greatest hits person when it comes to Thin Lizzy. I don't. I don't even know where did you say they were from. They're from Ireland. I don't even know if I knew that off the top of my head. Yeah, Phil 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 Linnet. It certainly was Irish. I think I think the bulk of the band was, was Irish. Huh. Well, now I learned something, Tim. There, there we you are. are no, I would I would say if you want to get into Thin Lizzy, listen to the live album Life and Dangerous because it is. It's it's one of those live albums that's probably not all completely live, really, but it's it's a live album, and it has all the songs on that you'd be familiar with. And the uh, the cool thing is, one of the, there's like a track at the end of it, and it has Huey Lewis from Huey Lewis in the News playing harmonica on it, which is a favorite. I love Huey Lewis in the News. Oh, Huey this... Lewis! You can't go wrong with Huey Lewis. He's hip to be square. He he is indeed. <laughs> Though he does, he spends a lot of time going back in time. He does. That's true. Now I'm going to be singing that in my head for the next six weeks. (laughs) And he knows about the news. He knows about all the news. Yeah, basically he looks at all the news all the time. He's like Elvis. He has three TVs in his front room and he has three news channels running. (laughs) No, he doesn't really. (laughs) I was going to say, did Elvis have that going? Was that a thing? Joy, have you ever been to Graceland? Yeah. You know, when you, go, you know when you go in the house and then you uh-huh. go around the house and you go down like into the basement before you get to the jungle room, there's yeah. Elvis's like TV watching room. Oh, you are right about that. I hadn't even thought about it, but I did you know that I thought you specifically meant that he was into the news? <laughs> no, I meant that Elvis just had three TV screens. Okay. Oh, so they told you that he was into the news? I don't remember no. that. <laughs> I was sitting there trying to remember that. Like, what? Now, apparently, the reason Elvis had three TVs in his in his lounge area, it was either that I think it was Johnny Carson or the president or someone of someone big figure of the day. They, he was known for having multiple TVs in the TV viewing room. And I think it, they think it was like I either Johnny Carson or the or President Nixon or someone like that had like two TVs. So Elvis being Elvis wanted to have three TVs. Of course he did. He was on a, I was just watching a documentary last night and they were talking about, you know, paranormal stuff and Elvis came up, of course, um, and the different sightings of Elvis. And there's one that it really does like, it's a picture where he's, it's in his own, like, I think it's in Graceland. But if you look at it, it, I'm going to find a link and put it up. But yeah, it looked just like Elvis and it was supposedly dated after he died. So if you believe he's alive, that picture would maybe really confirm that. I don't believe he's alive, but if you already believe that, I see why this picture would sell you on it. Yeah, I've heard all those conspiracy theories about Elvis Elvis being alive and all that. I don't know. I think... I th- what would be the point, though? Like, in all seriousness, what would be the point of him just to start fresh? I think so. I think he... I mean, he was very very unhappy and very unhealthy at the end of his life. Yeah. Um, I think he'd probably had enough of being Elvis Presley, the the celebrity superstar. And I my think father the, the, did security for him once. Who did? Towards the end. My dad did security for him towards the end. I really? think it was the Hawaii concert. The, the, don't quote me on it. So, so your dad has met Elvis. I don't know that he ever met him in person, but yeah, he did. He did. Um, he did security for him, and then I think he did um, something for Aerosmith at one point, too. He was working for a vendor that, like, you, they put people out, you know, and work concert venues and stuff. And he did one for Elvis, and he did one for Aerosmith, 
And I, there was somebody else, but I can't remember off the top of my head. That, that's that, that's fantastic. Maybe we need to get your dad as a guest on the show to talk about his work with Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think his work was, hey, you, don't go near the stage and push him away. <laughs> so that's so what, so what, what you're saying is your dad quite literally was taking care of business. Yes. Yes, he was. Fantastic. And now that'll be in my head now, too. Thanks, Tim. This <laughs> will be a mashup. <laughs> But yeah, right, dad needs some type of security for it. <laughs> Good deal. All right. Well, I think I think your I think yours is the next pick from your your shuffle. Okay. So it's the song Gloria, but it's not the original. It is the Glee version. Okay. Starring your favorite Adam Lambert. Well, again, I, I know you like actually to... like Adam Lambert. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> I, I'd like to go on record in in podcast format about my thoughts on Adam Lambert. I think Adam Lambert is a great singer. I think Adam Lambert is a great um, personality on stage. I think he's got great stage presence. He's got a great look. Um, he probably writes great songs, so I don't really know any of his solo stuff. But, you know, I've got no problem with him at all. Good luck to him. However, I don't necessarily want a slot-in, flamboyant man plonked in my favorite rock band of all time just because he can sing like a, like up high. And the problem with Adam Lambert is that he has a glee voice. He has a Broadway voice. He has mm-hmm. that very pure, very high, very powerful voice that you get for a Broadway singer, like a stage singer, that kind of thing. Freddie Mercury he- could do that, but also he could be a gruff rock and roll singer too. And I think when you put Adam Lambert in Queen... Yes, he can sing all those songs because he has the range and he has the stage presence and he has the whole the whole package. However, it just doesn't sound right. He's too high and too screechy and he doesn't he can't sing the rock songs convincingly convincingly as a rock singer. No, and that makes complete sense. And Tim has Tim has utterly defended Adam Lambert. I'm just giving him a hard time because we've discussed it in depth. And we've even talked about, we were talking in that one episode how we're scared of all the concerts we missed out on because of COVID really brought that back to our mind. And Tim even said, I would go see him even now just because, you know, Brian May is still up there and that kind of thing. And it's Queen. Um, and you, you, Adam Lambert is talented, but he does. He, he has a very Broadway sound. Um, he can fill a room very well with his voice and he could sing I mean, amazingly, but it's also just your ear has come accustomed to hearing the music a certain way. It's your favorite artist, and it's nothing against him. It's just not the same. No, and if I was Adam Lambert and then Queen, and I, you know, I could sing like Adam Lambert, and then Queen said to me, "Hey, do you want to come and tour the world and earn millions of dollars and front our our iconic band?" I'd be, yes, I'll do that. So there is an Adam Lambert song. It's called Trespassing. It's one of his. Um, solo artist songs and he did it in a way that's actually kind of cool so we've all heard another one bites the dust we know that rhythm we know it all very well right mm-hmm. so trespassing is um and i'm i'm sure he got permission to do this he works with queen on the daily is the rhythm of it's got pieces of the rhythm from another one bites the dust and okay. it's a really cool song um and he does it really well and when he performs live as his solo career he actually does a mashup of both songs together okay um it'll lead into another one and then he'll go back and forth and the audience goes crazy because queen you know because that's like his so and that's pretty cool if you never heard it it is pretty cool i'll give him that one um 
But I like Adam Lambert, and I loved him on Glee. And you're right, though. And I mean, his voice worked perfectly for Glee. He was only a guest star. He wasn't one of the, like, you know, main roles. Him mm-hmm. and um, Demi Lovato were both guest stars um, in some of the later seasons. But his voice matched um, perfectly. And it's what the scene is, is they're singing Gloria. It's There's a famous starlight cafe bar type thing in New York where people who want to go on Broadway, their waitress is there. And ever so often they do like a show. Like oh, they it's, um, it's, it's um, Ellen Stardust Diner. Yes, that's what it is. Stardust. Uh, I said Starlight. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been there. It's right in Times Square. It mm-hmm. shares the same kitchen as the... Um, what's the place next to where Les Paul used to play? That's going to bug me. The... That I can't answer. <laughs> Iridium, but, yeah. the Iridium Jazz Club. So the huh. Iridium Jazz Club is where Les Paul used to play every week. Oh, I saw Les Paul, the guy who invented the electric guitar and multi-track recording. And Ellen yeah. Stardust Diner is right next door to it. And Ellen Stardust Diner and the Iridium share the same kitchen. But anyway, Ellen, I've been in Ellen Stardust Diner, and yes, all of the all the um, the wait staff sing sing to you. Mm-hmm. And so that was. I don't think they were. I think they may have called it Starlight. Instead of Stardust, like, you know, they couldn't use, I don't know if they used the exact name, but that's it. They're wearing the little red outfits and then ever so often. So members of the Glee, when they went to college in New York, they were working there. Mm-hmm. And then Adam Lambert was somehow involved in that. But anyway, they're competing and they're getting frustrated about something. And um, Leah Michelle, Naya Rivera, which recently you might have seen Naya Rivera is the one who passed away recently from the boat accident. They were competing and they were kind of using Gloria as like a battle song, like back and forth because you know it goes really high and it's kind of aggressive and he comes in and sings it and to be honest, he was better than both of them. Just saying, it was a really good song for his voice and then they were in a band, like they tried to come up with a little band and Adam Lambert played in their band and Glee for a little bit and Demi Lovato was also in that whole somehow she was weaved into I think she was supposed to be the girlfriend of Naya Riviera and she was working at the cafe and it was a whole thing but yeah that's where that song comes from and that's one of my favorite Glee songs well there there you go fantastic well I will in a complete juxtaposition change (laughs) uh, my 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 next song I have here is Wasp the real me I know that song. It's not one that I listen to all the time. <laughs> well, the real me is a, is a Who cover. It says from Quadrophenia, oh. the real me. But Wasp, as in Blackie Lawless, the uh, hard rock mm-hmm. band from the from the eighties, is then famously covering um, Wasp's "The Real Me." Huh. Well, I don't think I knew it was a call uh, cover, but I've heard it before. But once again, the Who is not. I mean, I like the Who, but they're not one of my top bands either. They're okay but they're not one that I go out of my way to listen to. And as if you listened to the last episode, you know I have a real problem with them going for miles and miles. miles. (laughs) I still get angry when I hear that song. (laughs) Well, I will will say, much like Thin Lizzy, if if you want a sort of introduction into the Who, the good stuff, there's Who's (laughs) Next, which is probably the greatest rock album of all time, and the Who's Live at Leeds. Now, there's, there's several versions that are out there. There's the expanded and there's the, this version and the something remastered version, whatever. But just yes. the standard issue, The Who Live at Leeds, probably is the greatest rock live album of all time. Well, I will give it a listen, Tim. You've just, you've motivated me. They're not, it's not that I don't like them. They're just not one that I've, like, you know, gravitated towards. Sure, exactly. It's, it's um, not, not something that, that's, uh, as some people would say, in your wheelhouse. 
My wheelhouse is telling you the entire episode of Glee that Adam Lambert was on. <laughs> my, my wheelhouse is knowing that Pete Townsend was using an SG special with P90s and a high Watt 100 head when he played that gig. That's my wheelhouse. It takes all kinds. There you are, see. <laughs> so what's, what's, what's your next pick? Okay. This one... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so I know we have been through this, and I know we have said there are no guilty pleasures, and no, before anyone makes a comment, it's not Nickelback. That will never be found <laughs> on my playlist, but, okay, so Paris Hilton okay. had a short-lived music career. Did you know that, Tim? I did know that. She had an album out. I think, I have a feeling that well, that when I was watching David Letterman's show all the time, I think she featured as a musical guest, I think. So she has a song called Stars Are Blind. Okay. Probably the only one that she released. And I am proud of myself to say I actually liked it. It's not great. Like, she's not some amazing musician or anything, but it was catchy and I liked it. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that that is all you need to know about the world of music. If you like it, that's all, that's all you need. I must be said, I'm not familiar with Miss Hilton's uh, musical output. And I, I, I probably couldn't tell you what equipment the band were using when they recorded it like I can with, with rock albums, but... Well, okay. Tim, there probably wasn't an actual band. <laughs> it was probably in a studio and it was a backtrack if I was thinking of what I know with this song. But you know, she's like a supposedly a DJ now and she goes and DJs all over the world. Yeah. The, I mean, the, maybe the, I, I don't know if we have enough time for me to get into this uh, celebrity DJ idea. So I have, admittedly, I've never DJed a club, like a nightclub. Mm-hmm. But I've DJed parties. I've DJed bars around here. I've DJed stuff in England when I've gone out with, with cover bands. And to some degree, I feel there's really no skill to it. Because you know, it's very obvious. You can go to any place like this and you'll see the 10, 15 odd songs that people are going to like. And, and it's, to some degree, it's almost irrelevant what order, you, what order you string them in. So I think that that is true. And I think there's a difference between someone who is just playing tunes at a bar mitzvah versus an actual person who makes mashups and does a really good job at them. No, absolutely. I, and I, I don't see Paris. I mean, I don't know Paris Hilton's, Hilton's skill set in this, but I don't see her as somebody who is beat matching, who is, um, you know, scratching one track into the next track all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about a DJ who's effectively a producer. I'm not talking about yes. that. I'm talking about somebody who goes to a, to a club and it has however many thousand people in there and they go in with their, probably these days, MP3 files and they're, mm-hmm. and they're, and they're playing once on, once on, once on to, you know, to build the energy of the room up. So from what I know about Paris Hilton and I've never seen her DJ, is she goes to like the really big um, electric kind of EDM sound things. Mm-hmm. And does like some type of something like that. I mean, she has her little turntable, quote unquote, but I don't know that she's using it. I think she's just, it's just a prop mm-hmm. and she's wearing headphones, but I've seen it. She goes to all these different um, electric music type concert things. And supposedly that's what her day job is now. Now, 
I could be completely wrong, but I would imagine you're probably right in the sense that she's more there, I think, for the fun of the party and just playing whatever song she finds. I doubt she's doing mashups. And we've never talked about this on this podcast, but I am a huge mashup fan. Mm-hmm. Tim knows that it's one of my dreams is to be really good at doing mashups. I'm not good at it, but I want to be. Um, it's harder than people think. Um, and really good mashups are some of my favorite things. I tell you one I would recommend to you that is really good that I discovered recently. It's on YouTube, so listeners, you can find this. It's a mashup between the Bee Gees, You Could Be Dancing, and Deep Purple Smoke on the Water, and it's called You Should Be Smoking. Um, and you don't, you should, you probably don't think that it would work, but it really, really works. I mean, no, I could, I could hear how with the. With the deep purple, you've got almost like kind of like a deep, like a bassy kind of like deep sound, whereas you should be dead. How you could layer that on top of it at the right moments and it would sound really cool. I've heard quite a few of them. Um, one of my favorites, and I don't think they have a page anymore. I think their page might have got taken down from the YouTube copyright um, people out there. But there was a guy, his name was Robert Robin, and it was S-K-A-T-E-R-I-S. And he did some of the best mashups I've ever heard, ever. And he would do multiples. And he would do, like, you know, 30 songs in one. And it'd be, like, one track leading into the next. But he did it so well. My mm-hmm. favorite one was called One Way or Another. It was uh, Blondie's One Way or Another. It had Take On Me in there and a few other songs. Um, There's an Avril Lavigne song mix in there. But I'll have to find the link. But that was probably one of the best. Because sometimes when they put a lot of songs together, it's almost too much. Mm-hmm. But he did it so well. And I don't, I want to say he was an American. That's why I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. But he was very, if you guys find him, if you see him, if you know where he's at, let me know because I'd love to find him again. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably All out right. there somewhere getting it done. I don't know. Maybe he's with Paris Hilton in um, Dubai, um, standing up on stage. I don't know. Exactly. That's probably where they are. <laughs> well, I, I have the next one for you from my, from my iTunes shuffle, which is an all-time classic. Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil. That is an all-time classic. And what I find very interesting about the Rolling Stones, and maybe it's just me, but their song lyrics are almost surprising. Like, if you look at them on paper, some of their song lyrics shock me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, you can hear, let me be your beast of burden. But when you actually look at it on paper, I'm always like, whoa, that's what they're actually sound- singing about? Yeah, I or think s- Mick, Mick Jagger writes some very interesting words. I mean, uh, Sympathy for the Devil has the word troubadour in it. I mean, how often, yeah. how long does, often does that word turn up in, say, like a Kiss song? Yeah, I just, um, and maybe that's why they became, I mean, let's say Mick Jagger is an icon in himself, and he's, well, he's Mick Jagger. Even, um, you know, he's known for his dancing and showmanship, his putting on a stage. But, like, on paper, their their music's just very interesting to me, like, structurally-wise, and um, just the lyrics always seem to surprise me. And like you said, I've never heard any of that in a um, Kiss song, for sure. 
No, um, and the thing is, especially with the Rolling Stones, yes, they are the world's greatest rock and roll band. How, how they how they how they're spoken of, but you know, they've encompassed a lot of other genres. You know, they've got involved in. The, they started off playing blues songs. I said we um, didn't they have ended like up a doing blues some section. sort of some disco type tracks in the seventies. You know, they, they've they, they've encompassed a lot of different genres and, and brought the world of rock and roll to a lot of different types of music. Well, and I mean. I could agree with that. Did you ever, was it the Rolling Stones whenever they were, uh, what is it, Woodstock? They flew in. Did the Rolling Stones fly into Woodstock and something happened and they basically like ran away? Uh, it was, I don't think it was Woodstock. Are you talking about Altamont Speedway? Where Maybe they that's had, they what had it was. The Hells Angels for security. Yeah. That's what it was. That and actually, I think Woodstock had the Hell's Angels too. But yeah, yeah, that's what it was. They basically like ran away, didn't they? They never got to play, and they jumped back on their plane and took off. I think they. I think they played Ultimate. I don't know whether they um, whether they cut the set short, but they. So I know somebody, at least one person, got killed at Altamont. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was, and maybe that's what it was. Maybe they cut it short, but I was fairly certain it was. There's a story about the Rolling Stones where they showed up attempted to play and then basically just jumped on their plane and took back off well i i i've i've done that in hillsville um at a bar there where i went there with a band i was in at the time and we turned up and they weren't ready for us and they wouldn't clear the area out and the person who's running at the band at the time said uh, forget it then and we got back in the truck and drove off so i i i, I, I the mean the rolling stones are at one really you know <laughs> See, really? No, Tim, that's, that makes sense. And if you've ever been to Hillsville, that also makes sense. I grew up in Grayson County, so I was right over, you know, throw a rock and I'm there. So I, I can understand how that could happen there. <laughs> Sorry if you live in Hillsville. It's nothing personal. <laughs> All right. What you got, Joy? Judas Priest, you've got another thing coming. Okay. I, I um. Again, Judas Priest is, for me is a bit like Kiss. It's not one of those bands that growing up in my formative years I really had much relationship with. However, as the years roll on, I like me a bit of Breaking the Law. They they do a good cover of that um, Rolling uh, not Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Max song Grant, Green Man Alishi, which is cool. Yes. Which, and another thing that I didn't realize until I rewatched it many years late after the fact is that uh, Judas Priest plays at Live Aid. I did know that, yeah. I've watched that on YouTube. It's actually pretty cool. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of them either, but I like a few of their songs, and that one happens to be one. Um, and I will say that they're probably one of the ones we could have talked about in their attempts at rhyming, maybe not always being that great. Because <laughs> I'm fairly certain that you got another thing coming. like, I'm taking flight, I said, I'll never get enough, stand tall, I'm young and kind of proud, I'm on top as long as the music's loud. Yeah, so. I mean, again, it's metal, man, it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not written, it doesn't have the word troubadour in it, you know what I mean? Just bang your head, Joy, and move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, yeah. don't Wait, Wear your it. leather jacket, bang your head, and just enjoy it. <laughs> Which I love quite right, too. That's probably one of the... Uh, I'm not a big metal person, but that's probably the top kind of metals. I know some people might not classify them that way, but it's probably the top kind of that genre that I listen to. Well, that's, that's some good stuff. Well, I uh, mo moving, moving from your metal, I'm moving <laughs> to Gordon Lightfoot and the track Sundown. 
I do know that song, and that's very random, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, uh, I mean, uh, may, maybe a, uh, in the same kind of idea as Joan Baez. It's a little bit, sometimes a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. Well, isn't like the begin? Isn't it about a satin dress or something? Something isn't like that. Lyrics that. to the song or something like I saw her in a satin dress. And isn't there a girl in the video? I think wearing a satin dress. It's like a green dress, or maybe that's the album cover. I've I mean, definitely I seen it before. Yeah, it's probably an album cover because um, I don't know whether Gordon Lightfoot, whether whether music pop videos were being made at that point. I think if that's that's probably early seventies, I would imagine. I don't think pop videos were necessarily a, so much of a thing back then. Or it could be because I'm pretty sure the first line says something. I could see her lying back in the satin dress. I'm imagining someone in a satin dress, and I associate it with that song. <laughs> <laughs> so I made that whole thing up. But that's what I hear when I... But yeah, that's a very... Um, that was a random choice, Tim. I would have never... I, I, that's not one that I go out of my way to listen to, but I have heard. Well, there we are. We, we, can, we can thank the random factor, a logarithm in iTunes, for coming up with that one. <laughs> And Tim's very good at labeling every song very meticulously, so we know they're accurate. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> All right. So, mine is Walk of Life, Dire Straits. Oh, fantastic. From, from Brothers in Arms, no less. Yes. And I really like Dire Straits, but I think Walk of Life, because I am the one who likes the happy-go-lucky sound, <laughs> is one of my favorite songs from them. Because, I mean, who can't hear it? You do the walk on and not be happy, truthfully. How can you not be happy hearing that? Exactly, and the the other thing I think we may have covered this in a, in a previous episode, but the um, the album Brothers in Arms was basically made for the for for the what was new at the time, the CD format. Oh yeah, I think you might have mentioned it a little bit. It was one of the first ones, maybe one of the first episodes you said that. Now I cannot stand. There is a Dire Straits song that I hate, and here's mm -hmm. why. Sultan's Swing. And the reason I hate Sultan's Swing is because I had a friend who was obsessed with it and he was learning to play the guitar. And guess what he played on his guitar every night on repeat until he learned <laughs> Sultan's Swing. It was an old roommate of mine and he was obsessed with it. I had to hear it. Um, I can see the video in my head. It just plays in my brain constantly. Was your friend Guitar George who knew all the chords but he didn't know how to make it cry or sing? A little bit. He was, he's gotten better. He's actually a pretty good guitarist, but this was towards, he would get all these kicks where he wanted to learn one song, and one song specifically, and it was just hours of the same song on repeat, on repeat. And he's big into ACDC, which you can imagine, mm -hmm. it's the same ACDC five songs we hear on the radio every time. Mm -hmm. And then Sultan's a Swing, though. I, and he wanted to listen to it on the, like, he would want to hear it, so he would play it really loud hear it and then he would spend two hours in the guitar trying to play it and then he'd want to hear it again and it was just on repeat he did get it eventually i'll give him that but i can't hear that song ever again so 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 for you it's it's a for like with me it's sweet child of mine for you it's uh, sultans of swing yes and they said that he, he did I, I got the reference about the, you can check out the guitar, George, even though I ignored it. So look at the song, everybody. Where are you for me? I'm just saying that that's why I can't hear it anymore. <laughs> you're, com you're, com you're completely burnt out of it. Yes. And, and, and it, it, it's a cool song. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I never want to hear it again. You, you've had, you completely had your fill of that. Yes. And it's kind of a random one because it's not like a song you hear very much. Just. 
No, I mean, I, I don't. I, I, I mean, I assume they probably play it on the radio stations that play the same twelve songs in a loop. But I, I don't think it's it's up there with Freebird and all the other stuff that we spoke in a previous episode about. Yes, but it still makes my eye twitch. All right, Tim, what do you got? <laughs> well, this one's a bit random, and this is one that you wouldn't have in your collection. Is a live <laughs> recording of the Whiskey River Band live from Pulaski Moose Lodge doing the country <laughs> song "Smoke." <laughs> of course. <laughs> which was Where were a, you at? Which was oh. a new country song which came out ten years ago, five years ago, or something like that. But I yeah. went through a period of time where I was in that band for a number of years, and I went through a period of time of recording all the gigs off the off the mixing desk, off the board, and, and then I'd, I'd get them home, and then I would edit them up, and I'd put them all into tracks and put them in the library. So I have hundreds and hundreds of live recordings of that era of me doing it which is about a year so they routinely come up on shuffle so if i want to remember what it was like playing in the pulaski moose lodge with a band i used to be in a year or two ago you can. i can have that at any time <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how the name of the song is just smoke yeah <laughs> and in fact that's quite apt because i think it's changed now but certainly when I was playing in that band and we were playing all these Moose Lodges around here, and just to explain Moose Lodges for our friends in England, Moose Lodges are very similar to British Legion clubs. It's, it's pretty much the same principle, really. And then yeah. and certainly in this, in this area where we live, there are not a lot of bars or pubs. That's not so much of a thing. And if people want to go out and drink and watch bands and be merry, typically you have to go to somewhere like a Moose Lodge or an American Legion or something like that. But there's, there's a number of these Moose Lodges around here and a lot of the bands who play around here play these Moose Lodges. But one problem that I, when I was playing in that circuit a few years ago, all of them allow smoking. So the fact that I, I pulled out a song that the actual song is called Smoke, it almost reminds me of that, where you get home from playing at the Moose Lodge, <laughs> every piece of equipment you bring in the house stinks of cigarettes. Every All your clothes smell of cigarettes, your hair smells of cigarettes. It's just, and you know, I'm sure even if you're a smoker, you must smell of cigarettes to some degree. But when you're in a room that's not terribly big, it's not like you're playing a stadium and there's a hundred people in there all chain smoking and there's a fog of this stuff in the air. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, that I, would I, be I, fun. I, I, th I think they've done away with smoking in Moose Lodges now, but I do not miss that. I, I, you know, and that's something that uh, I don't know about the rules in the UK, but in America, smoking indoors is pretty much not heard of at all anymore. And so it's shocking to me, even as recently as you're talking, they were allowing them to smoke in there. Of course, it's the Moose Lodge. They're privately run. They can pay, kind of make their own decisions, but... Yeah, I think I think the thing was it was it was a it's it's a private members club where you pay admission, so it's for, fair game. You can you can make your own rules. Was it this legion that whatever you equated it to um, in Europe? Is that the thing you said they gave away like big things of meat or something? Yeah, often you would. Just, I mean, I, I've seen it at British Legion clubs, and they have these working man's clubs as well. On, that they have around the country they have a meat raffle the meat, the meat raffle <laughs> I've, and it's just like I've a big played social meat. clubs where you, you play a set and then you have a break in the middle they either do bingo or a meat raffle or both and yeah the meat raffle they come out with these huge bits of lamb and huge bits of beef <laughs> 
<laughs> so and then they, they sell raffle tickets and they're like, on the white ticket, three to seven, three to seven. Yeah! Someone will come up so excited they've got this massive shank of lamb. So I will say, <laughs> so there's also VFWs. Tim's been in plenty of VFWs, I'm sure. Yes, so I've played VFWs. Vet- our veterans of foreign war, so anybody who's a veteran in America can join these. They're VFWs, and they're kind of like moose lodges, only for veterans. If I being yeah, honest, yeah. With you. well, the British Legion clubs started out as a, as some somewhere that veterans would go, but I think the the uh, membership has opened up to uh, uh, folks who are who are not veterans. So both my parents are veterans. My dad and my mother are both members of um, a VFW in Independence, Virginia. I don't know if you've been to that one, Tim, but they do the bingo. They have the bingo machine. And I went and played bingo, and it was actually really fun. Judge me all you want, but the bingo is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. I hadn't thought about that in a while. But, yeah, when you were talking, I was like, are those the people with the big hunks of meat? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I was trying to think. It was, where was it? It was... It was the Bagster House Social Club. I sat in with a friend of mine called Andy Peters, who um, he used to have a band that played a lot of these social clubs. And we, we had a break in the middle and they did the bingo and they had a meat raffle. That's crazy. <laughs> I just like see them carrying like a whole lamb. Here you go. There you go. How are they going to refrigerate it for the rest of the night? I, I don't know how that works. I, I, <laughs> are they salt cured so they can just hang it up on a nail? Like I don't know the the, the logistics of the meat raffle, but I know it, like, I know it's a thing. So here's the thing about what. Okay, it's not even so much that it's meat that like the way you described it to me it's i just imagine like someone getting a whole cow and now they're gonna have to sit there and hold the whole cow all night while they're trying to play bingo and it seems like when someone gives you something that's like inconvenient a big giant hunk of meat would be like the most inconvenient prize I, I don't know if any if any of our fans or followers would like to post to our Facebook page and give us a rundown of lo- the logistics of the post gifting of the meat raffle. Um, all of us would be very interested to know what happens to the meat after the, you receive it from the raffle. Like, you have to you go home at that point. Like you go put it in your car and drive home. Like because if it's if it's that important for you to win this amount of meat, I imagine you don't want it to go. But it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> next song. <laughs> Well, I, think, I, think, I think it's I think it's yours and probably I think it's probably your is it your last pick? Yeah, I think it's my last pick. What okay. It's Enrique Iglesias featuring Pitbull. Um I love it. This is the name of the song. Tim probably has no clue what that is. That, that, but it, no, I know more about meat raffles than I know about any of those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a modern day pop song and it probably sounds exactly like you think it does. Pitbull and both of Ricky Iglesias randomly speaking Spanish words and it's loud and it's bumping and they yell at you a lot. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But I like that song. And as we said, Joey, if you like it, that's all that's important. I have a theory about Pitbull, Okay. My theory is, regardless of how you think of him as a person or a musician or whatever, the man does something very well. If he puts his name in it, it makes money. He can say two words in a song. Half the time he goes, hi, I'm Pitbull in the song, in a cooler way than that. And somehow the song becomes popular. It's like if he puts his stamp on it, people out there generate towards it. So say what you want about him. He does know how to make a hit. 
Well, do, do, I mean, I, I, I've played on some great recordings. Can we remix them and stick two seconds of Pitbull in there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and then you'll be going and playing at those big um, arena tours instead of the Moose Lodge. Well, there you go, see. <laughs> in, in the Moose Lodge, caked in cigarette smoke, dodging a meat raffle or whatever it is <laughs> while the bingo's Just- going on. Yeah, do you, actually, do you think Pitbull would come out to come out to the uh, to the Moose Lodge while the bingo's going on? I think he his um, buy-in price might be a little too high for us, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think it's a little higher up there. Do you, do and you, then, he, he's not going to pay for five hundred bucks in Dublin or anything, no. No. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Ricky Iglesias. I'm assuming you've at least heard of Ricky Iglesias. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the Julio Iglesias' son. He, yes, and he used to be married to J-Lo at one point. They had okay. two kids. Um, he, um, he did the song Hero, the I Can Be Your Hero, yeah, baby. Yeah, I'm familiar with that song. I absolutely hate that song because my husband for whatever music for whatever music for yeah. whatever reason is addicted to really dramatic songs i don't know why and randomly he will turn that song on and i'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but yes that's that's the song that's in ricky iglesias Marvelous. all right tim what's yours well i tell you what we will we will wrap up because this is my uh, this is my last song and it's the allman brothers and it's trouble no more Oh, I love that song. That's a good one to live it on. Yeah, I think uh, the, the again that the Allman Brothers. That's I, I had a very good friend who we sadly lost a, uh, not not that long ago, who was huge into the Allman Brothers, and you know I had a um, I, I had a you know a little bit of knowledge of the Allman Brothers. I knew some of their songs, but in the in the years that have gone by, I've listened to a lot more Allman Brothers, and it's it's such good music. Though I will say, I like the studio recordings of the Allman Brothers. I think there's some great songs. I like um, I like the voices on the tracks. I like the percussion, the, especially the guitar playing, Dwayne Allman, and even the guitar players they had later on, uh, even mm-hmm. after Dickie Betts has left. It's all good music. But if you hear like a, there's a whole big bootleg community with the Allman Brothers where people would take their shows and trade. I mean, the Allman Brothers are not a, th- uh, not a band anymore, but you know, when they were out there gigging, people used mm-hmm. to tape the shows and they used to trade the tapes and it was a whole thing. And my, my, my dear funny. friend who, who I said we lost, he, he was into that scene. And you would listen to those um, recordings, those bootleg recordings, and it's like, I liked this song when it was six minutes long on the album. I don't know if I'm into the 22-minute live exploration <laughs> jam yeah. version of it. I can see that. And then didn't Greg Allman just died a few years back, right? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Maybe like 2017, 2018. I remember when he passed, I was sad. I mean, I like the Allman Brothers. I don't know. Like, and that's probably one that I would listen to more than um, what you're saying, Tim. I probably listen to it more than just like their greatest hits. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that's a good song to end it on. Well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That was the, uh, <laughs> that, that was the uh, Shuffle the Songs episode. And Joy had Paris Hilton, Glee, and... <laughs> boom 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 i want you in my room all in one list <laughs> there you go and i had i had whiskey river from the from the pulaski moose lodge who would have thought it <laughs> well fantastic thank you everybody thanks for listening to our podcast we post new episodes every wednesday um, available on stitcher and spotify and apple podcasts and all good places like that and said so we do have the facebook page now facebook.com no name musicast 
and we will join you and speak to you all via the gift of this medium next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.